Sometimes that's all it comes down to. Despite not being the best master for the situation, if you know them well enough, that can be what makes the difference. Another Bayou deep dive, this time on Ulix and the Sui crew. Got Reese Chaudhry, who uh, is one of the best Bayou players in the UK and maybe one of the best Bayou players in the world. This is one of those episodes that even if you don't play Ulix, even if you don't play against Ulix, you are going to learn a lot about how to be better at Malifaux. Reese does a good job of dropping knowledge that it is not isolated just to Ulix. Make sure you stick around to the end. He and I have a great discussion, not only on the state of Bayou as a faction, but we also get into where the other factions are lining up. Enjoy. Playing a tabletop strategy game allows you to unplug and test your skills against friends. Every week, Third Floor Wars delivers useful strategies, discussions, battle reports, and reviews to tabletop games like Malifaux. If you want to get better at the games you already play, or discover the games other people are playing, you are in the right place. Craig and Ray welcome you to the Third Floor and the Tabletop Talk Broadcast. Craig here on the third floor. Today we're going to do a deep dive into the Bayou Master Ulix Turner and how the Sui crew works in Malifaux 3rd Edition. And my guest today is Reese Chaudhry. Anyone who follows the UK scene knows Reese. He is the current badge holder for Best in Bayou in the UK and a pretty common name on the top tables. Now, having Reese on the show is long overdue. Um, he's uh, one of the few names left as far as what I consider the the uh, the big uh, the big names there in the UK. So, Reese, welcome to the third floor. That's a pleasure to be here. I've enjoyed listening to your uh, podcasts for a while. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, so you got to get the uh, standard question that we ask everybody, which is how did you find miniature gaming and then how did you find Malifaux? Uh, well, miniature gaming, I started playing back when I was like 14, 15 in school, played Warhammer in the school leagues, I, like did quite well in the school league nationals. And then, well, Age of Sigmar happened. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's a common right so fantasy is a pretty common starter that we get here on the show and everybody goes then aos happened um i want to actually talk about that so when when they blew the thing up what was your first reaction so for me it was more of a point where it was like just me and my local group just did not like it at all and i actually went from it that we didn't like the fact that the game turned into, oh yeah, people can show off and bring whatever they want, so you can end up with what was the equivalent of 10,000 points against like 700, and that was inside their rule sets, and it seemed like absolute madness, so I actually right. went off and played um, MTG competitively for a while after that. Oh, no kidding. Now, had, had you played uh, Magic before then? Uh, I used to play it like tabletop Magic with my mates, but nothing seriously, and then because I wasn't playing Warhammer competitively, I started playing Magic competitively. And then after six or seven years of playing Magic, I got to the point where it was just too damned expensive to keep up with yeah. Standard. Yeah, that was that was going to be my next question, is uh, probably the only thing more expensive than Warhammer Fantasy was Magic the Gathering. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, when a now of course, when AOS launched, Age of Sigmar launched, it had the you know free for all, do whatever you want, everything's narrative, 
but they mm. eventually, you know, put some competitive constraints in it, put some points in it and stuff like that. Have you gone back and looked and had any interest or did they just lose you forever? I've gone back and looked, but I liked the epic battles between regimented armies and now it's skirmish and everything skirmish and I, I, ju- I just never went back to it. I mean, I, I found Malifaux and it, it's such a better game. Yeah. So let's get back to that. So you were playing Magic uh, competitively. When did you first hear about Malifaux? Um, so I heard about Malifaux probably like within two years of first edition hitting the shelves. Uh-huh. And I think I had a raspy crew in metal, played a few games of it, but never really collected it. And then sort of went back to it because I was living in South End for a while. And that's where Wayland Games had their flagship store at the time. Went in and asked for a game that me and my missus could play that wasn't, didn't need too much of a financial input to start up. And I mean, she got won over by the Dreamer and I got won over by Seamus because <laughs> who, who doesn't like a cross between Jack the Ripper, the Mad Hatter and his army of undead prostitutes? Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. There's there's some there's definitely some iconic crews that people uh, refer to when they talk about getting into it. And Dreamer's one of them. You always hear people talk about Dreamer and Seamus, I think, is another one that you see, you know, between between, you know, him being the Jack the Ripper and the undead uh, prostitutes and everything like that. It's uh, that's a pretty common uh, theme. So how many years now is that? So how many years have you been playing for? Uh, I've been playing for about three and a half years. Yeah. Tops. Yeah. And your uh, take on third edition? I love it. It's such a it's so much cleaner and um before M2, the first turn was double walk or walk go defensive. And you didn't... Turn one lasted like 15 minutes because it was just people walking and positioning for turn two. Whereas now, like halfway through the first turn, action's happening, everything's a mess. Your plan's yeah. out the window and you're trying to keep models alive. Yeah, no, I, I love how much faster the game feels in that respect. Um, and not having turn one just be a setup turn. I, I couldn't agree more. So, guys, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on, uh, obviously, Ulix and Sui crew, and I want to really dig deep into how Reese builds his crew. Um, how does the crew itself play? How does Ulix play itself? What are some of the key tech pieces that he brings in based off of what the scheme and strategy pools are? Um, and uh, we're even going to go over uh, ways to counter this crew. Now, real quick, um, when we're recording this, we're only a few weeks away from Gaining Ground Zero coming out, or Gaining Ground uh, Season 1 coming out, and the FAQ coming out. So I would imagine uh, when this actually is released, all of that is likely to have happened. So... Um, there's a possibility of gaining grounds one, you know, changing some of the schemes, changing some of the strategies and potentially some of the rules changing that we've talked that we're going to talk about now. And that's fine because the bulk of what we're going to discuss, I'm sure, is still going to be applicable. And uh, really, you know, the idea here is not to give you a blueprint turn by turn, activation by activation of how to play the Sui crew. What we want to do is give you a feel for how the crew goes and uh, some key kind of um, ideas as you go into it. So, Reese, let's pretend that everybody listening, or at least somebody listening, has never played against Ulix, has never seen Ulix on the table. They're thinking about maybe uh, playing Ulix, um, or they're afraid of playing against it. How would you describe Ulix as a uh, as a as a master? What kind of style master is he? So he, he's a clear support master, but he's also he's a pseudo summoner because he revolves around summoning pigs being summoned so he can grow them up. So you end up with these three wound 
three-point minions that aren't a threat to anyone turning into nine-wound gargantuan war pigs that can massacre almost anything on the table. And watching him is carnage. He is, like, when I play Ulix, he's the only master that I feel the need to put activated markers down next to the models for my opponent's benefit, like, not just my own. Sure, sure. Yeah, mechanically, I really like what they ended up doing with him because he feels more like the theme now with with that grow mechanic and that grow uh, function that goes into it. Let's talk about, like, mechanically how that works. So he's he's uh, beginning at turn one. He's got a little pig running around. W- what is he trying to do? Um, so as a crew in whole, um, everything is pig synergy. Uh, absolutely everything in the crew is synergy. You have three models in his core crew that all have um, six-inch auras that benefit pigs. Nice. So he's all about buffing his own models, but ideally what he's looking to do is he's got Penelope who will obey pigs to try and position them into the right place, and then he will grow the pigs up with Grow Up Strong. So your little piglets that... Uh, just for our way scheme runners turn into just absolute beat sticks. So let's talk about grow up strong real quick. How, how does that uh, work? It's a tactical action, right? Yeah, it's, it's a tactical action that works around a new replace mechanic that you find in M3. So you target a friendly pig, specifically non-undead. The, the, it's a weird thing to say non-undead because at no point does it say... Like, nothing that's undead is actually a pig, because, like, flying pigs and uh, stuffed piglets aren't pigs anymore. But oh, okay. Okay, they, they, that's what so, I thought that was for. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, they, they don't count as pigs anymore, for, but there we go. So, you target a friendly non-undead pig. You name another un, uh, non-undead pig minion that costs that has a greater cost than it, and then you've got to hit a target number to make the pig grow up. So, for to go up one stage... It takes an 8 to go up two stages. It takes a 12. And then the stages are Piglet, uh, Squealer, Wild Boar, and Warpig. And you can never jump from a Piglet to a Wild Boar in one action. Okay, okay. And you need need a suit, right? Uh, No, no suit is needed for the action. Um, He doesn't need a suit for it at all. The one thing that he does have is he's got a trigger on Tomes which is the some pig trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and it lets you take the herdom action targeting the model you've just grown up immediately, which is just amazing for in terms of action efficiency. So I can make my piglet into a wild boar, and then for a six, I can focus it. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Uh, yeah, herdom is a, 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 an attack action that he has. Yeah, so herdom's a 18-inch range attack action that targets willpower. It can only target beasts, but all pigs are beasts, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but when targeting a bit a pig, it gets the masks built into it. So now he's... like, If you're targeting a swine curse, you need a six of masks, but if you're targeting... Any of your pigs, you only need a six. And what? And what? And it just gives them focus, or uh, it lets them take an action. Oh wow! Okay, so you, so you're able to if you get that tome, then you have the ability to upgrade the pig to a better model with the replace, and then they can take an action. Yeah, um, not you don't just upgrade them with the grow up strong though. You upgrade them 
place that model into base contact, you then push that model to, and it heals full. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, that's right, because in the, in the replace, you potentially could have something coming in with less wounds because of how the wounds transfer over. Oh, okay. That makes sense. It's really interesting that, you know, it's a pseudo summon that doesn't require a suit, which is kind of a big deal because very often one of the restrictions that you have for summoners is that, uh, you know, you need the suit, but it also sounds like that you really, even if you have to stone for it, you go for that tome. Yeah, so I, I will go for that tome a lot, but then the, the thing with Ulix is everything in his crew has target, everything you want to do with his crew has a target number. So if you can get that, I, I generally run very few stones, so I don't stone for that tome unless it's a key activation. Right. But when I do get the tome, it's that pseudo obeys a throwaway action for me because. If it goes off, brilliant, I got an action for a six. If it doesn't go off, that's a card less than a six that's now out of my deck for my next flip with Ulix. That makes sense. Now, do you consider him uh, card-hungry with all those target numbers? Oh, he is excessively card-hungry. Gotcha. Excessively. So almost everything in the cr- in the in uh, across the crew requires, like, sixes. Yeah, so even though he may not be as suit-hungry as another summoner, he's definitely card-hungry because, like you said, everything has those target numbers. Now, being a support master, does he have offensive capabilities? Is is, is there times where Ulix is, is dealing damage? So he, he's got stat 6 on both of his attacks, which are both against uh, defense, and they're, which is quite nice. So he can hit reliably, but his damage outputs are both 2-2-3. Two, two, the massive upside to his attacks is they both give adversary um, beast built in. Which sets up uh, damage oh. from all those big pigs. Oh, absolutely. And I think the best thing is, especially with his melee, it's got coordinated attack on a mask. Oh, very nice. Okay. So you slap someone with Ulix, do two damage, give them adversary, and then you make old major attack them on a positive to hit. Ugh. <laughs> so out of, out of curiosity, you know, how is he generally speaking using his three AP? So obviously he's going to be trying to upgrade his pigs. Is he doing that three times? Um, where do, how do you usually uh, dole out those uh, three action points? Generally turns one and two. He's just upgrading pigs three times and then using his bonus to heal. Um, later in the game, from turns three onwards, he's generally not growing pigs up anymore. He's generally using herd um, or his ranged attack, or scheming, because okay. he's already done his job. Got it, got it. Now, um, what's keeping him alive? The things that keep him alive are, one, he just has a massive amount of horrifically scary pigs surrounding him most of the game. People generally won't voluntarily run at Old Major unless they know they can kill him, and killing him is not an easy task. I've had Old Major tank Jack Dawes' entire crew for two turns straight before. Wow. Um, but on top of that, he's got Hitcher, uh, not Hitcher, that's his mobility. He's got Protected Beast. So any beast, he can pitch a card. So that's every pig. And he's going to have him around him. So that so oh, he's yeah. going to use that. Yeah, he's he's especially because of Hitcher Ride. So Hitcher Ride means that if a friendly beast takes a walk action within two of him, at the end of the walk, he can place into base contact with them. Meaning he never takes a walk action. He just he gets into position through old major walking. Like I I'll generally use herd them on old major before I take a walk action with Ulix. 
Yeah, and that was going to be my question because you mentioned, you know, the first two or three turns that he's upgrading uh, using all of his uh, actions to upgrade. And I was going to ask, well, does that leave him stuck in the back of the field? But uh, with uh, with him being able to hitch rides along the way, you can pretty much put him wherever you want, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, so especially when you look at models like um, Gracie, his totem. So she has Herdom, which goes off on a seven for her. So it's slightly more difficult. But she has the uh, reposition trigger built in. Nice. So often, one of Gracie's first turns, like Gracie's first activation will be tell Old Major to walk forwards, which brings Ulix and a slot hauler forward with him. So for one AP from Gracie, I've gotten three walk actions. And Gracie... uh, Not Gracie. Penelope, even. Penelope, right. Yeah. And then... So by the time she's finished her activation, she's probably made four models walk and and essentially taken a walk action herself. All of that from a totem. All of that from a totem. Yeah, yeah it's that, it's that, madness. Very very efficient. So that talks that, that kind of gives us an idea of how Ulix is staying alive. Uh, being a support support master, um, you know, obviously we got a lot of healing to talk about when we get into the crew. Um, but his study critters is interesting. He he helps keep other people alive or other pigs alive. Yeah, I, I did mean to um, touch on that earlier. As I said, I mean, Old Major has tanked a door crew for two turns solid for me. And part of that is because of that action. So you've got the ability to throw away your ones. Your, your weak cards can get thrown away. Your sixes that can't create actions for everyone can be thrown away to prevent one or two damage, depending on... It prevents one, two, two damage, depending on the value of the discarded card. Right. If a friendly pig's within six of Ulix. So you come in, I mean, you're swinging at old... You come in and try and swing at Ulix, he's going to throw the attack to Old Major. You swing at Old Major, he's defense four, yes, but he's hard to wound and he's a henchman. Yep. So if you do three damage, I can discard a six to mean you've done one damage to a ten wound model that has easy heal. And that actually brings up something I think that a lot of people need to keep in mind when they're playing Malifaux in general. Um, But... You, you know what your target numbers are, and that allows you to evaluate your control hand very, very quickly. I think one of the things that uh, people need to learn how to do to get better at this game is to know what their crew needs, whether it be suits, whether it be values based off of target numbers, so that when you, you, know, when you look at your control hand, you can immediately figure out which of these cards are valuable to you, which ones aren't who's going to use which of these cards and kind of, you know, where those places are. Um, I think that, you know, when you first start playing Malifaux, it's, uh, that's something that you just don't really think about, but it sounds like in a Ulix crew, it's critical for you to be able to evaluate that control hand and, and know what's going to be used where. Oh, hand management with Ulix is absolutely the key for him playing. I mean, you've got all these target numbers and even although Bryn does help your hand management, he still requires resources to do so because as good as calculate the possibilities is you still need to guarantee you've got a seven in case you don't flip it. Um, well, that's good. Uh, Reese, that gives us kind of an idea, you know, how, uh, how, uh, Ulix itself plays, but really the key to this crew is the crew itself, right? It's being a support master. It's what surrounds him. So what we'll do is we'll take a quick break and we get back from this break. I want to talk about how Reese builds his core Sui crew. Uh, what are the key models that he brings in every time? And, uh, when does he flex out and brings, bring in some out of keyword or, um, even some versatile. So we'll be right back. 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Like I mentioned before the break, you know, the, the key for most support masters is really, you know, what surrounds them. And, um, you know, there's certain keywords uh, that... Uh, rely on the keyword in order to be effective. And there's other keywords that um, don't have just so many hardcore synergies. Um, and I think that what we're going to find here with the SUI crew is it's going to be the first of the two. It's going to be someone who really, really depends on uh, the keyword itself. So Reese, let's talk about kind of core crew. And we probably, we've already kind of talked about Penelope with the totem. So after Penelope, what's the first thing you hire? Old major every time. Just his his six inch aura is mental. So he his main thing is the main reason I take him. He's six inch aura. He's also hard to wound and has ten wounds. And so that's great. But the go hog wild aura is other friendly pigs that start their activation within six receive positive rams to their jewels and a, a, they they uh, they. They get rams added to their jewels, and they receive a positive to their damage flip till the end of their activation. Jeez, that's good. And that's if you start in that six-inch bubble. Not if you stay there. It's just oh, start right, in right. six inches. Yeah, so as long as they act, when they activated, they started there, they've got it for the whole turn. Kind of like uh, in Rezzer's Carry and Emissary has the same thing where it gives the bonus to the walk as long as you start there. Same idea, right? Yeah. Oh, Penelope does that as well. Got it. Got it. <laughs> and uh, uh, Min 3 is nice. Yeah, he's um, so his three, four, five damage stat six. He's normally his base one inch range, but he's normally at two inch range because of Ulix being within six of him at all times. Right, and then he's got triggers on rams, tomes, and crows. So he's got the tear off a bite trigger that most pigs have to heal himself up. Good for a laugh on a tomes, which is just phenomenal to have a solid draw option in Ulix's keyword. Yep. And then maul to slop on a crows, which is after killing friendly pigs within a six pulse of this model may push three towards this model. Then every other friendly pig in base contact with this model heals two. Wow. Again, more, it's just more efficiency. Absolutely. That's, he is just streamlined efficiency. Very, very nice. Now who's next after uh, old major? Uh, so after Old Major, it's normally the combination of the Sow and a Slop Holder. Okay, let's talk about the Sow. So the Sow has, um, she has Birth as a tactical one action. Um, it's stat five, it needs an 11 of crows to go off, so six of crows is needed. However, part of the cost of the action is you can remove a corpse or a scheme marker 
to build the crows into the jewel. Got it. So if you don't have the card, you have a ways to, uh, of getting that uh, suit built in. Easily, because she's got Reckless. So she can, if you've, even if you've got one... Oh, she can drop it herself. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> she can, she can, if you've got one crows in your hand, you go, okay, I'm going to declare birth. I'm not going to, I'm going to declare birth. If it's not a six of crows, you cheat it in. And then if you don't have that crows in your hand anymore, I'll drop a scheme marker, I'll go reckless, I'll make a new one. Very nice, very nice. And Berth, what that does, that's, that brings a piglet into, into the action, which kind of starts that engine up again. Yeah, it summons a piglet into base contact with her, so it gives you the ammunition required for, the, for turn two onwards. And I see that she's got a good attack action as well. It's not min three, but it's still um, got uh, some nice triggers on it, and it spikes up to uh, five. Yeah, so it's it's two, four, five. That nice jump for moderate, tear off a bite, which most pigs have, and then crit strike, which is really nice. Yep, especially when you combine it with old mage's aura that gives her a rams built in. Oh boy, I got that's good. That's good. Now, how about the slop hauler? So the slop hauler is just one of he's a solid um, healing support piece, but he is just phenomenal for Ulix. The, the main reason I take him is for feed the piggies and then here pigs a secondary reason. So what's feed so, the piggies do? Feed the piggies is his tactical action. It needs a four to go off and it's a three inch pulse. Um, friendly pigs within range heal one, two, three. Other friendly non-pigs heal one. But the kicker for that, for this action is it has an immediately trigger on crows Meaning, and the immediately trigger is push any number of pigs within nine inches up to six towards this model. Oh, I didn't know. I don't think I realized that was nine inches. Wow, yeah, that's a so, huge pulse. Yeah, and the thing is, it's any number. So if you've got pigs that you've moved in front of it that you don't want to bring back, you don't have to. Right. But your pigs that are backfield can get dragged up really easily. It's also an immediately trigger, so you don't need the action to succeed. You can throw a one of crows in and drag a bunch of pigs six inches forwards. Yep, yep, that's good. Uh, I see his attack action gives out adversary, which is great. Um, he's got a blast uh, range attack, uh, which again, cans uh, out that adversary. Um, and I think probably the thing that uh, strikes me the most about him is his cost. He's only a five-point model. He seems like a really good five-stone model. Absolutely. I mean, his attacks are secondary to what he does in the terms of just pulsing out heals consistently. Yeah. And then to cap it off, he's got here pig, so he can summon a pig as well. It is a bonus for him, and it does have to have a corpse or a scrap for him, unlike um, the sow. So it's harder to summon with him, but it's possible. The other reason I really like him is Demise Raw Meat. So when he dies... If there's a friendly beast within three inches of him, it can immediately heal to, and then he doesn't drop any markers. That's so good. That's so good. So out of curiosity, I mean, obviously we're seeing all the, you know, between your, I assume you're hiring some piglets uh, to get things started. You're summoning them with a sow, sop hauler might be great. What, what is, um, how many piglets can you have on there? Uh, what is the limit on piglets? So piglets are capped at four piglets. Okay. Um, and then each of the growed forms of a piglet is capped at three each. But as soon as you grow one piglet, it no longer counts against your right. maximum allotment. Yeah. So it, you, you have to be careful. If, if you go a bit too crazy, you end up 
maxing out your pigs and like if your opponent manages to kill the sow you don't get your consolation pig got it so out of curiosity are you hiring piglets when you get started I am hiring two piglets when I start so that they okay. can act so I can have a war pig that activates turn one. Got it. Got it. Because you're going to what you're going to do is turn that into that war pig. That makes sense. Yes. Um, all right. So we've got slop hauler. We've got uh, the sow. Who's next on the um, higher list? Um, well, the next one's Gracie makes it into most lists because she is just an absolute tank. She, she makes it into a lot of Bayou lists, not just uh, not just Ulex. Yeah, absolutely. And and she's still in keyword and she's still a pig. So she, her synergy is just phenomenal. And you're now getting Gracie where she's reliably three minimum damage and can't lay down a nap when you don't want her to. Uh, she's so hard. I mean, I've, I've faced her a couple times in a couple different Bayou crews. She's so hard to get off the board, too. She's tanky as hell. She's tanky as hell. And when you combine the fact she's a pig, she's got solid healing built into her card. And now you've got a slot hauler and Ulix that can both provide additional heals. Generally, what I find with um, the big pigs is if you don't kill them in one or two activations, they're going back up to full wounds. Yeah, yeah. That healing. Now, I, I'd be curious, though, you know, one thing about healing that can be tricky is um, is timing. Um, are you finding that to be kind, kind of... Uh, something that you, you you've learned to get good at of knowing when to activate the slop hauler or slop haulers and where to time things to know when to make those heels go off. Or is it, uh, is there's just so much healing in there? You don't really spend too much brain power on it. So in terms of big picks, there is just an excessive amount of healing, especially when they've started within six of old major, because old major builds tear off a bite into them. Right. So, and then if they kill a model, they heal too as well, because most of the big pigs also have eat your fill. Yep. In terms of certain models, then it it can be a fine balance. So generally I'll space um, Ulix out with activating the slot pooler. I won't activate them one after the other because I'll wait for my da- models to get damaged a bit and then heal them back up. I mean, the slot pooler can put six wounds back on a model in one activation. It, um, now, how about Swine Curse? Are you bringing si- Swine Curse in? Um, I will occasionally bring Swinecast in, but not very often. I mean, my my core crew is almost fixed, and then it's not even depending on the strats and schemes. It's the opposing master that alters things. So, uh, is there anything? Uh, why don't we give give everybody your your literal core your core crew that doesn't change? So, my, the crew I almost always start with is uh ulix penelope and then it's gracie old major the sow a slot hauler brin and two piglets got it got it um and brin's coming in as a versatile is that right or is he uh, no he's not a keyword of, isn't he's, he? he's out of keyword yeah oh yeah so uh now i'm i would assume that's for the card draw right because this gets into how card hungry he is yeah, it, it comes in. So having one extra card and then the fact Bryn can draw two cards in his activation and stack my deck so it makes it less likely that I need to use my hand. Mm-hmm. It, it's just he, he is a saving grace at times for Ulix. Um, there is workarounds. So another one that's very good for card fixing is the Lucky Effigy. Oh, okay. Um, his three-inch aura. Because one thing that you basically learn to accept with Ulix is some of your actions each turn will fail. Right. Because there is a finite amount of sevens and more in your deck. Yep. So Lucky Effigy can just mean that if you've got a run of bad cards, you get through it quicker. 
or sometimes it just means that your bad card flips into a good card and you do what you need to do. So let's talk a little bit more. So that's that's one, you know, some versatile and some out of keyword. I'd be curious to know kind of when that happens. Um, so when, when, well, first of all, is there any other versatiles that make it into the crew? Um, so Bert occasionally makes it into the crew because he synergizes nicely with pigs with his um, pepper box with yep. the terms trigger. Um, and then sometimes if um, gators will make it in because they're ruthless and beasts. So against terrifying crews... They are an apt, they are absolute gold dust because yes, Bayou have easy access to the ruthless upgrade, but generally the models that are doing the most damage are war pigs. And I'm never hiring a war pig with Ulix. That's just not happening. Yeah. And if I give a piglet the ruthless upgrade, it's gone as soon as I grow it. Um, I'd be curious to know: is there is there certain like key counters that c- cause you to hire? So, for example. Um, I would assume that you're look, potentially looking at those gators if you're up against, say, a Seamus or something with a ton of terrifying in it. Is there other kind of key flex tech tech pieces you bring in based off of what the opponent declares? To an extent. So if you're playing against a terrifying crew, so like Dreamer, Seamus, those, I'll take gators. I'll, and it's normally the sour that gets dropped from that because okay. at this point it's becoming more about obeying than it is about growing. Right. Against Yuko, I will drop. I'll drop one of the piglets from my starting list, and I'll take the lucky emissary because Yuko is just trashing my hand consistently. Yep. So, but I combo. I fix my deck with Brin, and then I use the cheap bubble with the lucky emissary to just uh, effigy to just force actions to succeed. Yep. Because cheating from the top of your deck is obnoxious when you've already taken three quarters of your weeks out of your deck. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> What, um, how, let's say by turn three, um, I, I'm trying to get a sense of, uh, you know, how, how much is, how much is dying out there? Like how, how many models do, do you usually, how many activations do you usually have by say turn three? 11. Okay. Okay. And is giving pass tokens out at the beginning of these turns? Is that a, an issue? Um, it can be at times, but generally it gets heavily mitigated by the fact that, so the start of turn three, I'll normally have somewhere in the region of 11 models on the table. My opponent will be getting anywhere up to five or six pass markers. Normally, they can only activate one model before I get to activate one of my war picks. Right. At which point, one of my war picks will normally reliably kill at least one of their models. Yeah, and hopefully one that hasn't even activated yet. Yeah, that that's generally... You're giving away pass markers, so the best thing you can do is to go after unactivated models. Now, how much does that impact your ability to win initiative next turn? Heavily, but normally you normally Unix isn't winning initiatives. Uh, to be honest, a, a lot of people take beaters against Ulix, which is one of the best things you can do. Because like, if you've got models that have min 3 damage, they can take out a war pig in one activation, whereas right. something with min 2 probably isn't doing that job. Uh, if I'm giving up initiative, it generally means solidly. It generally means I'm murdering their crew. If I'm not giving up initiative solidly, it means my crew's being knocked back a bit, so it levels out. I got you. So yeah, I mean, if they're plus five on the initiative, you're probably doing a lot of damage out there, right? Yeah. So you, so losing that initiative, it d- doesn't put you in a bad spot because you're already in a good spot uh, anyway. That makes sense. Now, um, 
I would imagine, and I think I know the answer to this, but I need to ask it. Are you ever hiring another master? Um, uh, or do you see a place for, because I know in the UK, you guys really don't get into that business, but do you see opportunities for hiring another master with Ulix? Or is, is he just so dependent on key models? It just isn't room. I mean, th- there's definitely room to hire another master, but it is the dreaded Zoraida. Yeah. Because Zoraida can fill the same job that Bryn does, but with more obeys. Right, right. Um, and what, that's a, what, for another uh, five, six stones, right? Yeah, so I'm already paying nine stones for Bryn. She's, what, 16, 17 yep. out of? So, I mean, it's giving up one of my big picks, so I'd probably give up Gracie. Mm-hmm. So for the cost of Bryn and Gracie, you could have Zoraida in a Ulix group, which would just be horrific. <laughs> Um, and, and now how about uh, upgrades um, with all of these replaces going on and things like that? I mean, are you are you bringing in some of the upgrades? So my core list doesn't have upgrades, but um, against heavy impact beta masters, I will take um, two gremlins in a ghillie suit on old major. OK. And what does that bring for you? Uh, disguised and plus one size. Got it. So. The disguise is just amazing because it just slows them down. Because Old Major is like the spear point of the crew. Mm-hmm. He he is normally the most forward thing in the crew because he has to stay in the thick of things to keep the um, the bubble positive to damage aura going. Yep. Um, so stopping him from being charged can really slow down masters like the Vix. Um, the other good thing about it is the plus one size. It sounds weird going oh, but making him I'm making him size four and that's a bonus. But there is people that will actively take 50 mil bases that are size 3 or 4 to block the auras. Right. Making him size 4 means that if they're size 3, they're not stopping his auras. And if they're size 4, their placement has to be perfect for them to do what they're trying to do. Yeah, with that height and that base size, he's touching everybody. Um, even even helps with terrain too, right? Because, I mean, height 4 terrain is not as common as, say, a height 2, something that's height 2. Oh no, no! It's mo- mo- a lot of like boxes, crates, that sort of thing. That they're, they're high too normally. Yep, that's good. Well, Reese, let's take a quick break. When we get back from this break, I want to kind of pick uh, pick his brain. I want to learn uh, what strategies is uh, Ulix uh, playable in, or even ideal in, and then we'll uh, pick out a couple strat uh, schemes that uh, Reese loves to see in a pool when he's bringing Ulix, and then we'll also talk about some schemes you shouldn't take if you're going up against Ulix. So we'll be right back. Howdy friends, Greg here. Nothing makes Malifaux easier than having the right tools. Here at the third floor, we love all the licensed Malifaux goodies from Custom Meeple. Not only are they helping support this podcast, they sell custom-made weird licensed tokens and terrain. They sell it all. Crew boxes, terrain, markers, tokens, and even a 3x3 full Malifaux board. Custom Meeple sells a complete M3E token set covering every marker and token you need to play. Custom Meeple are the source for the official accessories for Malifaux. Everything is designed by hand and authorized by Weird Games. Check them out at custommeeple.com. That's with one M. Or follow the link in the show notes. Up your Malifaux game and be sure to tell them Craig from the third floor sent you. If you use the promo code third floor friend, all one word, T H I R D F L O O R F R I E N D, you'll get a 5% discount and help support the podcast. It's valid on everything except retail products and playmats.
So one of the things that makes Malifaux, you know, unique, and I think that, um, you know, part of the reason I think a lot of uh, high-level competitive players love Malifaux is, you know, the idea of the pools and the facts that the pools and the wind conditions are variable and, uh, you know, the impact your builds. Um, so I would be curious, uh, Reese, what strategies uh, does Ulix uh, immediately become considered for? So the thing about Ulix is he's not the strongest master in the faction for any of the strategies. Where his strength comes is the combination of the strategies plus the pools. Okay, well, let's talk about it together then. So give, give me some combos that make you immediately think uh, Ulix. So anything like plant explosives of corrupted idols, when it has stuff to do with crossing the center line or placing scheme markers around the center line, are just amazing. So he likes a good mix of killing and scheming, but his crew can be killed quite rapidly if models yeah. are focused on. So I don't like him for reckoning for that reason. And turf war, he tends to, he's very good at controlling one part of the board, but he can't control the three to four markers you need to win turf war. So it sounds like plant explosives is, it might, might be his ideal. Um, as long as you have the schemes to go along with it. Plant explosives and, and idols are amazing for him because idols because of the amount of healing the crew has right and the mobility especially in corner or flank for for idols because his crew can get to any idol in one turn yeah and you've got the tools there to essentially you know do your obeys which obeys are critical as far as cursed idols because you need to get if you need the model to be able to be in a certain position but if you can then get multiple actions out of that same model um it can be very very good for cursed idols so um schemes you mentioned you know schemes that center on the center of the board so harness the ley line any other schemes that you like um so anything that combines scheming and mobility is just amazing for ulix because of Penelope's six-inch aura, that friendly pigs that activate gain plus one movement. Yep. Because uh, Penelope can be wherever she needs to be whilst obeying models anyway because of reposition. So Power Ritual is easy because you don't even have to advertise it turn one. Right. Because you summon a, you summon a piglet turn three or four and then send it back to your corner to drop that scheme marker. But it's easy for the crew to get into any corner of the board because if you look at a wild boar, for example, with three actions, that's 21 inches of movement and unimpeded. And, re and it's real easy with a model like that to only think that he's there to kill. But it's important for you to realize that, you know, you know, so it's okay to it's okay to scheme with ashes and dust sometimes. It's okay to scheme with a Vic sometimes because they've got that incredible mobility, like the like the uh, like the uh, boar does. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's one of the things that I think I'll probably touch upon later with Ulix is his the flexibility in his crew. Yeah. His crew looks like it's a killing machine, but it can. It's got so much speed that it can, and almost everyone has access to fast. So you can move 12, 14 inches and drop scheme markers. And, and that's huge in this game. So, so big in this game. So if, if, you, if I'm uh, playing against somebody and they declare Ulix as their master and I look at the pool, what are some schemes that I should just take, take right out of consideration? I would never take Dig Dead Graves against Ulix. Because? Because, I mean, I, that's personally from a Bayou perspective. Um, Almost every pig has demise delicious bacon. Oh, when they right. die, they drop a scheme marker. 
And that's part of why I love taking the schemey based, like the scheme marker based ones with him. So for harness the ley line, I can drop a scheme marker, reckless, drop another scheme marker. If you leave that war pig alone, it's going to go on to kill your models or drop more scheme markers. If you kill it, it's dropping another scheme marker on the center line. That makes that makes sense too. Now, I, is there anything that um, is? Well, let's see. I guess you could be using the sow to eat up scheme markers too, because that is the sow. It doesn't require friendly scheme marker, does it? No, the sow doesn't require friendly scheme markers. And Bryn, he's got his bonus action that can eat scheme markers right. for another pseudo obey. Um, so it's difficult, and the crew's so mobile that setting up dig their graves is re- is hard, especially if you don't have a way to self generate the second point. And I would imagine, too, you know, the schemes that you talked about that, that you'd like to see are also ones that are tough against it for the same reasons because of that mobility, right? So, uh, you know, something like Power Ritual um, can be a challenge because you can, you can get a pig there to pick up markers whenever you need to because of all the fast mobility. Uh, you've got the same thing with Outflank. Generally, if you're playing Outflank, unless you've dedicated half your crew to that flank, a war pig will kill it. Yeah, but you can't you can't just send a, a a scheme a scheme runner out there and hope that it's going to live. Oh no, definitely not. I mean, especially if you're relying on something like butterfly jump to keep them alive because they have frenzy charge, so they will keep charging you. So, out of curiosity, what is Ulix's biggest competition um, in these pools that we're talking about? Is is there other masters that sometimes you'll bring in instead of? Ulix, even though Ulix might be good in a cursed idols with harness the ley lines, um, who is he competing against in in the faction? So, in plant explosive, he's competing with Zip, who's just as fast but has less damage output. Uh huh. Um, and then corrupted idols, you've got Zerada, you've got Ma, who are both very very strong at that specific strategy. So it comes down to then the schemes. So when the schemes reflect, like centerline, search the ruins, outflank, stuff like that, that's where I really like, that's where I feel Ulix really shines. Got it. Because um, the war pigs have deadly pursuit as well. So one of my tricks that I often do is I will launch a war pig, like a cruise missile, into my opponent, but then I'll stop about five, six inches away from the centerline. So at the end of the turn... That war pig moves four inches back towards the center line. So if they kill it early next turn, it's dropped a scheme marker for me. Yep. If they don't kill it, when it activates, it's either killing something or it's dropping a scheme marker. Yeah, so that's, his strength that's is, nice. His strength is really that you can force your opponent to scheme for you by killing stuff. Yeah, it... Um that takes some planning on your part. Um, but what I like about that is it puts your opponent into the wonderful situation of two bad decisions. Do I leave the war pig alone or do I go ahead and give them the ski marker that they need on the center line? Yeah. So about two weeks ago, I played Nick Westbrook from Lone Star area. Yeah. Nick's a friend of the show. He hasn't been on the show, but Nick and I talk all the time. So I, I played against him, and he was playing Yuko, who is one of the worst matchups for Ulix, I can imagine, because she was like she activated at the start of every turn and just dropped me to like two cards. Um, but first activation of turn two, I ended up with three war pigs and a wild boar on the table, and he turned around and went, "Yeah, I can see what this crew does now." <laughs> 
And one of his comments after the match was, you were just ramming war pigs down my face to the point where I had to kill your war pigs. And because he had to kill my war pigs, he wasn't scheming. Now, if he'd have ran off and schemed, I would have murdered his crew happily while scheming myself. So by forcing that fight, I was controlling what could be scored when. Now, obviously, with him in Texas and uh, you in the UK, you guys were playing over Vassal. Do you get a lot of games in on Vassal? Um, well, I've, I've got insomnia. I don't sleep a hell of a lot. So normally I get games against quite a few of the Americans at like one in the morning, UK time. <laughs> <laughs> and um, how do you ca- do you have you noticed it's uh, is it different playing somebody from the US versus someone say in uh, Europe? Um, so US seems to be the US method seems to be a bit more aggressive than like the your standard tables obviously top tables are just hyper aggressive anyway but i mean it there's a lot of just going all out very elite crews to kill whereas there is quite a few crews over here that will have 10 11 models in them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so slightly slightly different uh but to your point top tables aren't playing that different regardless of where we are right no i mean top tables are still forcing action efficiency synergy and just sheer damage output. All right, let's take another break. When we get back from the break, we're going to get to one of my favorite segments in a deep dive, which is one second level play. So what are some things that you're going to um, learn after you've gotten, you know, 5, 10, 15 games of Ulix in? And then two, let's talk about how we counter all this power. So we'll be right back. Howdy friends, here on the third floor you'll find us playing Malifaux and other games on Mats by Mars. They are scratch-resistant, waterproof, wet erase marker compatible, and lighter than neoprene. These mats use a new material that almost eliminates any glare. Mats by Mars gives you over 40 designs to choose from. Pick a mat size, pick a design, then choose an overlay like the one for Marvel Crisis Protocol or Malifaux 3rd Edition strats and schemes. It's going to speed up your deployment and the placement of strategy and objective markers. Until the end of June 2020, you can use the new promo code THIRDFLOOR620 to get a 10% discount on your next order. In the notes, you can ask for the Third Floor Wars logo to be put on your mat for free. Again, use the promo code THIRDFLOOR620, that's T-H-I-R-D-F-L-O-O-R-620, to get a 10% discount. All the details are in the show notes. So, Reese, I, th- I think in a lot of ways we've already covered a good bit of second-level play. Um, I think that um, some of your call-outs about how you decide between, say, Zip or Zareda or Ulix, um, I consider stuff like that um, really second-level play because that's that's not only knowing the crews but knowing what your crews can flex into and flex out of and uh, making the stronger pick. Um, what are some other things, though? What are some things that um, – you know, a beginner Ulix player really isn't going to recognize, but as you start getting good with him, it becomes uh, kind of some of the hidden strengths of the crew. Okay, so I mentioned, um, I think I mentioned the demise raw meat on the slot hauler earlier. Yep. So that can be huge. That extra two points of damage can just take a model from where you know it will be put down to where you know you can keep it alive. Mm-hmm. So there's been turns where I've activated slot hauler, healed twice, and then followed it up by just eating the slot hauler with Old Major. And that was just so Old Major could get those extra wounds back. Um, I think the biggest thing that surprises people with Ulix is that 
it doesn't have to be a minion to grow up strong. Right. So not a lot of people like the Sal because her stats are pretty poor. I mean, her damage trap's nice, but she has to be below half wounds to get her frantic off. Yep. She generally doesn't make it past mid-turn two for me because I grow her up for a six. Nice. And it's just that the fact that then in that second turn where you're really hitting melee instead of needing an eight or a 12, you need a six to get a war pick, which is just phenomenal. Yeah, and, and same cards are a premium for this crew. Oh, yeah. And the same thing can be done with Gracie because Gracie's a common vendetta target. Ah. And I've, I've ruined vendetta for someone before by they declared it on Gracie. They got Gracie down to one wound. And like as I turned around, my first activation was Ulix uh, made old major walk. He then walked himself to get to within six inches of Gracie, used his bonus action to heal her by two wounds, and then used Grow Up Strong to turn her into a war pig. Mm-hmm. So now, instead of a one-wound Gracie, you've got a seven-wound war pig that you've got to kill in the last turn for Vendetta. Very which is nice. a bit more difficult. Um... So listening to you, Reese, one of the things that really popped out to me is, um, and, and this is important in almost every crew, but I would imagine it's, it's more so here, is positioning and learning uh, activation order has to be critical with this crew. Yeah, so the activation order has a huge amount of flex depending on how good your hand is, how fast your opponent's crew is and stuff like that. So sometimes Ulix will have to activate first and just grow pigs up quickly because you know your opponent's going to be on you in a flash. Other times, you can sort of try and just throw some activations out, try and get some models moving up the board a little bit, and then use Brin to fix your deck and then grow your pigs up. Right. So knowing what to do and when, it it very much has to be learned, because the first two turns with Ulix are key. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, as I said, we touched on hand management. That's huge, but positioning is absolutely the biggest thing because you have three very important auras in his crew so you've got six inch aura on old major for positive damage built in rams and that is massive because pigs have to declare triggers if they can oh right and there's several triggers that end the pigs activation like almost every pig has a this model ends its activation trigger so going oh, I'm on full wounds, but I don't want to declare lie down and nap, so I'll declare tear off a bite is huge. Yep. Um, positives to damage on a 3-4-6 damage track with the wall pigs is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, Unix gives models within 6 inches plus 1 melee range, which like Old Major having 2 inches is just... It can be just brutal. And as we touched on, the Sturdy Critters bonus as well, which just drastically increases your survivability and then Penelope's uh, kept out of distance aura which gives them plus one move so you've got to position your crew effectively because the models that you want to kill need to that you want to kill other models need to start within six of old major the models you want to keep alive need to stay within six of Ulix and the models you want to run off and scheme need to be within six of Penelope and that's all positioning and all activation order to ma- to maintain all that. Now, I'd be curious, um, how often are you getting in your own way? There's a lot of big bases in this crew. Um, is managing those big bases and keeping those auras up and not blocking yourself out, is that is that something that takes some practice? Yeah, even now, I will 
occasionally get in my own way because someone's thrown a spanner into someone's disrupted my plan. So I've had to like I've had a game where someone killed both my piglets very early in the turn. So I had right. to summon new piglets. And that meant that then to make those piglets grow up, I had to reposition half of my crew. The upside to it is um, you've got Penelope who oh, can reposition yeah. models. Ulix can reposition models. Um, even other pigs, almost most of the pigs have an action on the back of the card as a tactical called truffles. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's eight inch. It needs a 10 to go off. War pigs start off with a stat of six and it goes down as the pig gets smaller. But they get plus two to target a friendly pig. And it's that pig may push up, uh, is pushed its move towards this model. Mm-hmm. So that's, if a war pig does it, that's six inches of movement for a two. Wow, that's good. Good. <laughs> so, and this kind of leads into um, ways to mitigate some of the strength. Um, so what are things people can either bring or people, things that people can do on, on the table that uh, makes Ulix's uh, fight uphill? Um, so terrifying. His crew just had Ulix, Gracie, and Old Major have strong willpower. They're all willpower six. The rest of the crew is willpower four. Yeah. Like, so terrifying ruins their day because to even the lowest terrifying of 11, I need a seven to pass that. Uh, so that's now a card I need to do stuff has yep. to be spent on terrifying. Um, so that's just horrific. And targeting attacks that target willpower isn't friendly either. Um, if you've got anything that can drop blasts on his crew very early, it, his crew will suffer. Um, and snipers. Mm, right. So anything you can do to slow Ulix down is going to cause the Ulix player a headache. So if you've got a sniper, there is three models in my starting crew that have three wounds. One of them is one of my core support pieces being Penelope. Yep. And she doesn't benefit from sturdy critters. So you can rob me of multiple activations by sniping Penelope. And she's she's defense five with three wounds. So she's killed. If you've got a sniper with a crit strike trigger, she's dead. Yep. Um, so that kind of gets me into target priority. So, I, I mean, obviously listening to this um, up to this point, Penelope was high in my it, I was taking notes in my head uh, and Penelope was high on my tiger, target priority list to help cut down some of that efficiency. Um, what are some other targets that you really hope they don't concentrate on? So the three models that will, other than Ulix himself, who is just, he's, he's a bit of a mission because if your opponent's playing him properly, they will position to protect him. Yeah. Um, but other than Ulix himself, the, the three biggest targets for me would be, the uh, slop hauler, Penelope, and Old Major. Old Major, if you have any way of moving him away from Ulix, do it, because that's when you'll be able to put him down. Right. Penelope and the slop hauler are both defense five, willpower four, low wound counts. If you kill them early, the crew slows down massively. Um, and then opportunity targets would progress onto like piglets. Piglets are easier to kill than war pigs. If yep. you can kill a war pit, if you can kill a piglet, kill the damned piglet because your your min two damage isn't killing a war pig in one activation. It's gonna easily kill a piglet. Yeah, yeah. You have to look at a pig, every piglet as a potential war pig. 
So I played against um, a Mayfen crew and my opponent asked me what I had left on the board that could threaten his rail golem or metal golem as they are now. Right. And because of old mages nudge him on ability, which can build suits into minions, it was literally my entire crew. I was just about to say, yeah. Yeah, the rest of my models is the answer to your question, sir. <laughs> yeah, that, he, he said, what, what can threaten me? I went, well, Penelope can obey pigs. Old Major can give them armor piercing. Yep. Ulix can obey pigs. Those three piglets can turn into war pigs. Like, your metal golem's dying if I want it to die. So I, the other thought I had, and tell me whether I'm on the right track here, is because you hinted at it a little bit, is offensive repositioning. So the ability, say, with like a dead doxy and other things where I can push models, um, you know, obey my obey your models to to really break up because, and this is something for everybody to think about in general when you're talk when you when you listen to these deep dives is. When you're listening to a deep dive that's for um, a crew that you're not going to run, but you're thinking you're teching to learn to run against them, listen to some of the key things that they talk about. And one of the key things that Reese has talked about is how important positioning is. So what you should be thinking of as an opponent is, okay. that's something that I need to screw around with. That's something that I need to disrupt. So I get that's my thought, I guess, Reese, is, you know, things like doxies and stuff that can uh, obey and force and move stuff really can, can mess your plans up. Right. Oh, absolutely. So what you tend to find is I will have my bubble of core models and they will generally move around as a bubble for most of the game. If you can rip models out of that bubble, it it makes my life so much more difficult. Yeah. Once I've like I, I launch war pigs out of that bubble like cruise missiles. So don't worry too much about repositioning a war pig that's not in the bubble. If it's in the bubble and you can get it out, do it because three four six with built-in rams and a positive to damage <laughs> it's is just is it's so much worse than yeah. three four six that doesn't have the rams built in so he can end his activation to give you s- slow or they're a lot less effective when they don't start from where they're meant to start from well and i think something key too that i'm picking up from this reese is um you're using offense as defense a lot of times. So, I mean, something you've said more than once is I'm ramming, uh, ramming, you know, boars down their throat. And what you're doing is forcing, you're, you're forcing the, the area of conflict. You're forcing where the engagements are going to happen so that people don't have the time, energy, or actions to be able to, to mess with your bubble. That, that's generally what I try to, I mean, even if my opponent comes to me really early turn one, if they're sending something in turn one, they're generally going to make a concerted effort to try and keep it alive after they send it in. Yep. And you'll you'll kill off a couple of my models. It'll normally be the weaker models that you want to kill off. But I'm then left with big damage dealers that will try and kill you. So you have to send more in to try and maintain your investment, at which point my my bubble will main, will gain wounds. It will gain new models that have high damage output. Generally, my opponent won't. Right, right. So you're going to win the attrition game. Mm. Un- unless you kill his crew very quickly, uh, Ulix will win attrition. Yeah, that makes sense. So, guys, let's take one more break. And, um, you know, we're talking to the guy who, who uh, is uh, technically, according to the rankings, the best Bayou player in the UK. So I want to talk about Bayou in general. Um, something I predicted uh, a long time ago was that we were going to hear noise about how good Bayou is. And uh, it took a little bit longer than I thought it would. Um, but now you're starting to hear it. And I want to talk about where, uh, where Reese thinks Bayou is um, a- as a faction. So we'll be right back. 
DZ Leargard here, creator of the M3E Crew Builder app, and I'm a patron of Third Floor Wars because supporting great content creators like them is one of the best ways to help grow this game. So to join me and the other floor heads, go to patreon.com and search for Third Floor Wars, and we will see you there. Recently, we broke 100 patrons. I want to thank our most recent patrons, Marcus Moore, Dronex, Joshua Story, Peter Pot, Sergey Chapovalov, Superhottie69, Adam Talbot, and Richie Richmitten. Thank you. So I'm really going to take advantage of, um, you know, finally getting Reese on the show. And um, kind of the first thing I want to talk about, Reese, is um, you've got you've got good exposure uh, to the entire faction. Um, and generally speaking, you know, I, I hate tearing in Malifaux. And part of the reason I don't like to tear in Malifaux is because it's easy for us because we're spoiled as Malifaux players to realize how balanced the game is. And, you know, now, obviously, if you get on a weird place, it sounds like the game is ridiculously unbalanced. But anytime I find somebody really getting bent out of shape about balance of Malifaux, it tells me that they've never played a, any other mini game or it's been a long time since they have. So w- what you will find in Malifaux is almost everything is just horrendously broken. And it's the fact that everything is horrendously broken in its own way, which is the balancing factor. Yeah. And a lot a lot of times when you hear people talk about it, you know, talk about things being ridiculous. It's it's usually after the first time they went up against it, um, which ties into what you're saying, which is everything broken. It's like the first time you face a keyword, the first time you face a certain model, it seems so ridiculous because it was unexpected. You don't know what to do with it. Um, but when you fight it again, you know, you go in with a whole lot of new information. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I, I played against someone that's never played against Ulix before and the look on their face when <laughs> yeah. what at the start of turn one was a three stone minion had almost ripped a Toto in half from the other side of the board. He was like, this just isn't right. And it, it's not. That, that's what Ulix does. And right. because that's what he does, he does it well. Every master does different stuff. Don't, I'm not saying there's not broken models because the first mate is just a whole pile of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're going to get a lot of arguments about that. Um, he has always been a target priority for me, um, and he's not easy to kill too, which sucks. So that being said, I would be curious though that um, if you were to rank the keywords um, – uh, what do you think, and it's so hard because of the variable wind conditions, but we're going to do it anyway. What do you think is the strongest in Bayou? And, and let's go from top to bottom. So I think right up there, in terms of just the best all-rounders, it's uh, Ma and Summer. They can do any pool. They can do any pool well. and But they're not, they're, there is pools that other masters can do better than them. Yeah. Um, after those two, you've probably got um, Ophelia, whose damage output is just horrendous. Yep. I have had her single-handedly cut down Hoffman's crew on her own before, mm-hmm. which was my opponent was not happy. Um, you've got Ophelia. You've got Zareda. I, she is horrendously AP efficient, but there's a lot of weaknesses in her keyword. And if you're going out of keywords then you're not getting you're getting even less models and she's even more susceptible to quick alphas yep um zip is probably in that second tier as well he's horrendously mobile but his damage output isn't as high as summer and then 
I mean, after that, you're probably looking at... Ulix is probably weaker than Doze because he has an excessive amount of counters. Yeah. And I'd say Wong's probably with Ulix because not that Wong isn't amazing at what he does. It's just that his crew doesn't have a huge damage potential. Right. Or it has huge potential, but it has almost no control at times. And yeah. I know I know Jamie will completely disagree with me because he loves Wong. But I mean Wong is Wong is very hard to play, so for someone that's sort of picking the crew up, that's probably how I'd rate people. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I've always gotten the feeling that both Ulix and Wong are, are niche picks, right? They're they're picks for very specific pools, very specific uh, opponents, and you have to be a good player to to really be able to to get get work out of both of them. Um, I was really happy to hear you talk about Somer because you're starting to hear people talk about Ma, um, which I think is another keyword that I was amazed people weren't crying about earlier. Um, but you're starting to hear people go, wow, Ma is good. And it's like, yeah, no kidding. Uh, we've known that for a while. Um, but Somer still doesn't get a lot of talk yet, man. And I'm telling you, Somer is good. Absolutely. To anyone who doesn't think um, Summer is good, they need to just stop and read the text on good old boys. Yeah. So people that don't rate Summer obviously haven't read some of the abilities throughout his crew. If you look at the good old boys, they are insane. So good. <laughs> they they have um, Ironside's ability that they get a positive to their defense flip for each model they're engaged with. Yeah. It's they go up to defense six. So defense six, and I'm gonna flip four cards on defense. No, it um the first time I went against Somer, I was like, how how have I not heard about this before? This is insane. And 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 the person I was playing it had just started playing Somer. And at the end of the game, I realized I only saw 10% of the potential because he, he was new to the keyword. And I started, I started thinking afterwards what could have happened in that game. And I'm like, wow, Somer is really, really strong. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Um, let's, let's take a, a bigger step back because your exposure to the game overall is very, very high. I want to quickly you know, talk about um, where you think factions are tearing against each other. Um, what do you think, um, what would you say the top, the top two factions overall um, competitively in your mind? Um, I think I uh, see top two. I'm not. Sure. I mean, you've got Arcanist, Thunders, and Neverborn, who are just in such a good place. I'd say probably Arcanist and Thunders have it at the moment. Yeah, purely so, because of uh, Arcanist have Arcane Reservoir as an upgrade, which is just so good. Yeah, and then Ten Thunders have Kitty Demont, and she just needs to be burnt. <laughs> well you know it's funny i think and um for those of you that listen um i'm going to be a little out of character i'm going to say something nice about arcanus the um the biggest thing i envy about that faction is i find that faction to be one of the most interbalanced factions of all of them i think almost i think all of their keywords have play and um they're they really the distance between the keywords as far as playability and a competitive mindset is uh, surprisingly small. And I like the fact that 
you can legitimately flex from one master to another and and find play. So I, I would love to see the type of keyword balance within the faction in um, that you see in Arcanists. I'd love to see that with Rezzers. Um, and the thing about Ten Thunders is they they've got the answers to so many questions. Um, when whenever that pool comes up, if you're a Ten Thunder player, it, it's really hard not to find the really an ideal keyword for whatever pool happens to flip i I tend to find it's not even necessarily the keywords with thunders it's their versatiles are just so horrendous and even not even the versatiles though like you've got kitty demont who's just going i'm drawing six cards a turn uh that should that should be enemy only uh yeah uh, she she would be fine if that ability was enemy only but they're it they've just got i've seen crews which are just like two or three versatile models, two or three really strong out of keyword models, and then insert master here, which was the place that two got to, and and we didn't like it. Um, is when and when you saw that, and um, you do. I think of all the factions, you do tend to see that in Ten Thunders. Is there a faction that um, uh, you think uh, really needs some love other than Guild? Because that's the obvious one. <laughs> or actually, let's not make that assumption, Reese. Do you think Guild? Is as weak as everybody says. I'm playing Bayou, so my faction is made out of glass. Like I have some insane damage dealers, but most of my faction is made out of glass. So guild aren't generally the cakewalk for Bayou that they are for everyone else. They do have some weaknesses, but I don't think they're in as dire a place now that a lot of the missing models are coming out. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they have some hardcore counters to um, Bayou in general, so. Uh, the brutal emissary just ruins Ulix and Zareda. And the Pale Rider's a pretty good model. <laughs> uh, so the Pale Rider has led to one of the worst experiences I've had in any game. I was playing um, a Wong crew because he's fun. He was my favorite master in M2. He's just an enjoyable play experience because he's just pulling shenanigans left, right, and center. Um, and Pale Rider just gets into, runs into the middle of my crew and goes, I'm pulsing irreducible damage. And it's like, oh, hey, the defensive tech on all of my models, including Wong, does Gosh. nothing against an irreducible pulse of damage. This seems fine. Yeah, yeah. And luckily it's not a mobile model either, right? <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's easy to avoid it, definitely. Yeah, yeah. no, there's, there's, uh, there's definitely some easy tiering when it comes to uh, the riders. Uh, that Pale Rider is a, is a damn good model. Um, so you obviously you have experience with um, uh, Bayou. And I'm trying to remember, Reese, what did you play before Bayou? So in M2, I played Rezzers heavily. That's right. You're a heavy Rezzer player. Is there another faction that, not necessarily from a competitive mindset, there's another faction that you envy, like you're like, boy, it looks like the, this faction would be fun to fun to play? Yes and no. I mean, I dabble with um, Neverborn sometimes. I've got, because between me and my partner, we've got like 70% of the masters in the game. Right. So when I want to play another master, I, I, like, I've gone and I've picked up Dreamer. I've played a couple of the games with Dreamer. I cannot play Dreamer. I lose hard with Dreamer. But Why do you think that is? It just, I know how to play against him. It's just, right. I can't get it to click when I'm playing as him. Yeah. And I tend to find out when I play out of faction, things don't quite click. I mean, a similar thing happened to me where at the UK Nationals 
So I played Ma into three games day one, and she was the right master for the for the pool, but she wasn't the right master for me because I was more comfortable with Ophelia, Zip, Ulix, and Zareda. So I should have picked one of those. Yeah, it's a big that's a big part of this game, man. And, and it get it talk that gets into the balance. And the game is so balanced that I tell people go with what you're familiar with. Um, I've got a tournament coming up next weekend. And I'm rusty. I unfortunately, you know, I, I spend so much time talking about Malifaux. It's hard for me to get games in because I just don't have the time because uh, the podcast and the YouTube channel takes up so much time. So I am I'm going to solo um, Seamus in, into this tournament. And it's and this is going to come out long after that tournament. But um, for the sole reason of I, I know I know that crew. And I've you know, and and my my chances are much better of doing well at that tournament with Seamus or Molly than they are with me trying to pick the perfect keyword for the pool. Oh, absolutely. So I lost two games day one of UK nationals. I was playing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I got outplayed by Radic Bry, UK's current uh, master and by, I can't remember his name, but the chap that won nationals, like the chap that won a seven round 80 man tournament. Those were my two losses. And I got outplayed, but I was also running a crew that I had five or six games with as opposed to 20 or 30. Yeah, yeah. In your mind, had you brought somebody that you were more comfortable with, it could have been different. The, the mistakes were made. Um, that, that was the thing. Mistakes were made that I necessarily wouldn't have made had I used a master that I knew better. Uh, sometimes that's all it comes down to. Despite not being the best master for the situation... If you know them well enough, that can be what makes the difference. And you hear that advice on this podcast all the time, which is learn your crew, um, learn your models. You are not going to see any success competitively in this game if you don't spend the time um, with that. And I don't care if it is a keyword that people t- tell you is garbage um, or if they tell you it's strong. If you don't get games in, you're, you're not going to do well. Um, it is not. It's not like. Um, it's not like 40k was when I uh, before I left it, and I don't know what where it is now. 40k is, but with 40k, it was like you literally could find you know whatever list was winning the tournaments at that time. You could go buy and paint up that list, and you were going to do well with it because it so much of that game depended on what models you brought and how you build your list versus Malifaux, which is yeah. Don't get me wrong, crew building is important, but it's what you do with the models and the decisions you make decide what who's going to win the game. Oh, absolutely, it's. The one thing that I find about the, the one skill that has transferred from Magic to Malifaux for me was is resource management. Yep. Both of them are games of resource management. And it tends to be if you you've got three main resources, which are your models, your cards, and your soul stones. All you've got to do is put enough pressure on two of those, and that will normally win you a game. It's a, it's a beautifully elegant way to put it, Reese. I couldn't agree more. Um, and and knowing a, a lot of skills, I, I mean, we, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before too. A lot of skills transfer over um, from Magic because it, Magic is about pressure um, and and being and being the one that's applying pressure and mitigating the pressure. Malifaux is the same way, and and mm-hmm. that is that that that's another way to talk about resource management. So I, I completely agree. Well, my friend, it was great to finally have you on the show. I appreciate you making the time. Um, I doubt it'll be the last time we hear from you. Um, Is there any kind of plugs or anything that you want to get out there? 
I mean, for the UK players that are listening to it, just keep an eye on the forums. I, I don't personally run tournaments, but I do heavily promote the tournaments that my partner runs at Wayland Games. It's a great venue, and she just focuses on people having fun. <laughs> That's great. All right. Um, so we'll uh, we'll catch you next time, my friend. Talk to you later, fella. Take care. All right. For those of you who stayed and listened to the whole thing, I appreciate it. Take care. Be sure to check out our shop on thirdfloorwars.com for the latest gaming apparel and gear. While you're there, check out how the USFO Tour is shaping up. How does your conference compare to the others in the United States? Where do you rank nationally? Get those models built, painted, and on the table so we can see you at the U.S. Masters Invitational in October of 2020. Also, rate and write a review on this podcast for us. It really helps us find people almost as cool as you are. Thanks for listening. Howdy, friend. Craig here. Is this episode making you realize you need to buy some models? Gadzooks Gaming is my favorite online retailer because of their large selection, killer prices, and great customer service. Don't you hate buying an entire crew box when you only need one model? Gadzooks sells crew box models individually and saves you a ton of money. They even have free shipping to the U.S. and Canada if you spend $100 or more. Swing by gadzooksgaming.com and make sure you tell them Craig from the third floor sent you. All the details are in the show notes. Howdy folks, Craig here. Now if you love gadgets as much as we do, you're going to love the new Third Floor Wars Gadget Bundle from Schooner Labs. Branded with the logo of your favorite podcast, it comes with two measuring multi-tools, a compass stepper for those tight and important movements, along with a compact dashboard to track your turn, strat, and scheme scoring along with your soul stones and pass tokens. It is the perfect bundle for anyone who plays Malifaux or just wants to look cool while doing it. The link is in the show notes. Check them out and help support your favorite gaming podcast. No, I can hear you. Hang on. Everything's... Okay, you're back. Everything froze up for a second. I don't know if you could hear me. I could. Uh... I... I think my mic has gone dead. Broken ass by you. You say that. How many tournaments are they actually winning compared to Neverborn, Arcanists, even yeah. Rezzers and Thunders? You got everything but Rezzers is broken. You've listened to my podcast. You know how I am. <laughs> so, Rezzers has some things that are, are mental. I mean, oh, Archie. Yeah, I <laughs> Archie is insane. Yeah. Yeah. Archie. Uh, Archie's good. Um, By your your side is stupid good. Yeah. Following along the errata at the moment is quite amusing to see the amount of Reza players that are just going, you're killing Archie. It's like he is too good. Like, honestly, dude, I read it and I went, I'm okay with that. That seems fair. Yeah, there was, I didn't think anything that they did to him was out of line. um, No. At all. Um, It was all, it was all very reasonable. Um, and uh, they didn't really t- do anything to Von Stuck, which surprised me because I was—that's af- what I was afraid yeah. of. Yeah, Von Von Stuck to me—he is—he's the best Resurrect Master. Period. Um, I mean that he is the most balanced because yeah. he normally when you find a master that is good at everything, it's they are they're like a six or seven out of ten at everything. He is an eight. He is just an eight across the board. Yep, and, and and his your ability with him to just go. All right, now I'm going to shift gears and do something completely different, and I'm going to be good at that too. He's he's the sand deep of Rezzers, is what he is. Yeah, yep. he's just, he is mental, and his crew is 
They hit ridiculously hard. They are ridiculously tanky. Yeah. Like undergraduates. Yep. Oh yeah, we're six wounds, but we're hard to wound and armor one. I'm like, what? And by your side. Yeah. With with, with, an, with a free attack. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's bonkers. It's bonkers. They're one of the best minions in the game, I think. All right. Oh, um, hands down. All right. So let's let's talk by you. All right. I'll bring us back. All right. Yeah, Nick's a good guy. Yeah, I, I've played Nick and Andre in the past ten oh, days. Oh, d- did you uh, beat Andre? Uh, two all draw. Oh wow, yeah, Andre's good, man. Yeah, uh, again, that was down to it was. I mean, he attacked against Ulix really solidly because he took the um, brutal emissary who is like you with leadline coat. Ugh. So I can't take models out. T- can't take actions out of my activation within six of that bastard. Yeah, and then. I can't push him out of that bubble either. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about those Texas boys here in the U.S. <laughs> with the uh, U.S. Faux Tour that we're doing. Uh, mm. They're gonna. I think they're gonna probably end up qualifying like four people for yeah. our, our U.S. Masters. And um, I, uh, I have a. Uh, it hasn't come out yet, but uh, I have them on the pod, and they are. Uh, they're so. They're a cocky group of boys. There, they, uh, they, they, they uh, are very confident in how they play Malifaux. Um And I'm not saying it's undeserved. I'll be be interested oh, no. as they uh, run into some other players outside of their meta. So, <laughs> I mean, what, what I'll say, both of them were fantastic players. Uh, Andre's definitely stronger than Nick. Yeah. I mean, I managed to. I, I won four three against Nick, and that was with him running a hard counter to Ulix. Right. Um, but Andre, it was it was a two all draw, and that was just again because the sheer pressure of high damage pigs just going right. You've got to kill my pig. Yep. Okay, I'm going to heal my pig. Yep. Um, the, apparently, the uh, the uh, boogeyman over there is a guy named Travis Rule, R U L E. Um, I haven't had him on the podcast yet, and I haven't, I've never even talked to the guy. But uh, I have talked to enough of the Texas boys that. They all say, yeah, I'm good, but I'm not Travis good. Um, so apparently he's the boogeyman. I'll have to uh, reach mm-hmm. out and uh, see if he uh, would be a good guest. All right, so second level play. You've heard the podcast before. You know what we like to talk about. Yeah, uh, which is things that you might not notice. Exactly. And then uh, weakness encounters are pretty uh, self-explanatory. So I'll bring us back. Cool. Cranking it out. Yeah. Do need to touch on um, sturdy critters on the front of Ulix's card at some point. Uh, let's see here. What's that do? Uh, so, when a friendly pig within six is damaged, Ulix can discard a card to prevent one two two damage based on the value of the discarded card. Oh, okay. That is, it's huge for the survivability of pigs. That's why Old Major almost never dies for me. Got it. All right. You know what? I'll splice that in. So I'm going to, I'm going to set, I'll set you up with a question and you can talk about it. Um, All right. Cool. All right. That was good, man. I'll, I'll splice that into the first segment. All right. All right. So for the strategies and scheme section, let's, um, let's pick one, maybe two strategies that you think Ulix has a lot of play in. Let's be aware and even call out if, uh, who his competition in the faction might be. So if we say he's really good in X, um, you know, I'll bring him unless, you know, I think uh, Ophelia is better because of this or whatever. Um, and then for schemes, uh, we're not going to go through all of them. We'll just pick out two, three, maybe four at the most schemes that you love with Ulix. And I like to call out at least one or two that people should avoid if they're up against him. Okay. All right. Cool. I'll tee you up. <laughs> 